Hello and welcome to Living Word Ministries. We're impacting lives and changing the world. Join us as we dive into the Word of God. You are a faithful Father. You are a loving Father. Let's just take that in for a few minutes. You're a good, good Father. The one that does not give us stone instead of bread. He is a good, good father. The Bible says, What is man that thou art mindful of him? The son of man that thou visited him. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Family, God has crowned us with glory and honor. God has crowned us with glory and honor. That is the God that we serve. That is our Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, this morning we're asking, oh God, once again, send your power. Let that power, oh God, let it give expressions in our lives in the name of Jesus. Lord, we commit our ears to hear from you, Lord. Our hearts to be receptive in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I ask that you speak through me, O oh God. Not my words, but your words from the throne of grace, from the throne of mercy. Lord, help me to speak with simplicity and accuracy in the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Good morning, family. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. You see, the beginning of this month, um, the beginning of this year, the Lord gave us a word. How many of us remember what it is? To live out our purpose. We project this every single week. We have it in the group. To live out our purpose. Now, without raising of hands, I'm not trying to catch anyone out. But my question is, this was January. We're in April. Almost the end of April or the middle of April. How many of us can say with confidence that we are living out our purpose? Let's just give that a thought. How many of us are actually living out our purpose? What does that mean to us? What does it look like? In practical terms, what does it mean? If someone says, I'm living out my purpose, what does that mean? What does that look like? And for each one of us, it will be different. And that's why we've not all been created the same. But can we say we are living out our purpose? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. You see, we recite the scriptures. We know the scriptures, the God's plan and purpose for our lives. But when it comes to the nitty-gritty, when it comes to our here and now, when it comes to how we navigate the world, and the systems of the world. Are we actually living out that purpose for our lives? How does that impact 
you know, our everyday work. What does it mean to live? You know, sometimes you speak to someone and they say, oh, I'm living my best life. Have you heard that said? What does it mean? Pardon? The best version of that person, they're enjoying life, right? But as we've been talking, you know, talking about it in, uh, in Bible studies, right? It's different to everyone. I might say I'm living my best life. What does that mean to me? What does that mean to you? But it doesn't matter what it means to each and every one of us. What's important is what it means to God. You see, somebody could see me and say, oh, Pastor Joan is living her best life. What is your, what is your yardstick for measuring that? How do you measure it? You see, those of us that work, or even those that have businesses, how do you know you have moved from point A to point B? How do you know that you're prospering? How do you know you're hitting those targets? There are marks. There are, there, there are, there, there are um, you know, at work we say there are targets that you have to meet. But even for those in businesses, they need to know that, okay, I made X amount of profit this year. Next, uh, last year. This year I'm making Y amount of profits. So if they have not gone up the scale, they can't say that they're progressing. And it's the same for each and every one of us. I cannot measure living out my purpose with Dickness Naomi's living out her purpose because God has created us differently and our assignments are different. And unfortunately, we are in a world where we tend to measure our success or living out our purpose against the next person. I know places where, you know, oh, that person is, oh, that person's arrived. They've made it. And then when you look, you find that it's because they've got two houses or they've got four cars or the type of car that they drive or the type of job that they've got. You know, in God's calendar, in God's book, right? Living out your purpose is definitely not based on the job that you have. And that will show us in scripture. Do you know why? Because if it's based on that, what happened in the government the last week? The prime minister, boom, out. Oh, no, sorry, the deputy prime minister. I beg your pardon. So no job is for life. It's temporary. It's not based on the car that you have or the type of car that you drive or how many cars that you have. It's not, it's not about how many houses you've got or the money in the bank or your shares or your cryptos or the bonds. It's not based on any of those. You know, and it's not based on social media either. Because some people live their whole life on social media. And every minute of the day and even night, they're checking, 
Oh, how many likes do I have? How many comments do I have? And it's not based on any other portfolio that we might have. You see, living out your purpose is to submit yourself and everything that you have to God for him to use it for his glory and for your blessing. Years ago, I said, Lord, please don't give me anything that I cannot use for your kingdom. And I'm waiting for the time where, when the children would leave home and I can begin to receive people that I can help into the house. Because it's not mine. Scripture says, what have I that has not been given unto me by God? And the minute we begin to say, it is mine, it is mine, and we cannot share it, and we cannot use it for God's glory, it becomes an idol. And that is not what God has called us to do. Everything that God has given us, and that's why in Scripture, I'm going to be ahead of myself, but that's why Scripture says, the earth is the Lord, and what? Everything that's in it. Pata, pata. Everything belongs to God. Sorry, pata, pata means everything. <laughs> everything, the sum total, everything. So, what is it? What does it mean to live out our purpose? If we're going to put that in just one sentence, I said it's to be a spiritual influencer. You know, people are on YouTube. Oh, I'm a, I'm, I'm a fashion influencer. I'm, I'm influencing in that way. I'm influencing, which is great. But if you're doing that outside the calling of God, we are wasting our time. You know, one prayer I pray is that, Lord, let me not just pass through this earth and amount for nothing. Oh, it would be a waste and a sorrowful waste. May the Lord help us. So, do I have scripture to back that up? Yes. Let's take a look at Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Verse 36. I'm going to read it. Um, I'll, I'll read this in the NLT because it's, it says, And what do you profit, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? What shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You know, sometimes I, I, I watch telly and I see a lot of people and you see how much they've got, how many houses, how many mansions, how many shares, how many this and how many that. And, you know, I say, Lord, I pray this person has a relationship with you. But even as believers, we run out after these things. Things. The Bible talks about everything will pass away. Every single thing. 
but the word of God would remain. Hallelujah. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world, not even earth, so the whole world, and lose his own soul? Is, is it, verse 37, uh, 37, is anything worth more than your soul? Let's think about that. Is there anything that is worth more than our soul? Why did Jesus, why, why did Jesus come? So that we don't lose our souls. First Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 17. It says, as for the rich in this world, charge them not to be proud and arrogant and contemptuous to, of others, nor to set their hopes on uncertain riches. Why is it called uncertain? Because it's here today and it's gone tomorrow. You see, I got, um, I got a letter in the course of the week. I think either this week or last week. And <laughs> I don't know how many of you remember when Deliveroo floated. Right. What's it worth now? Nothing. Deliveroo shares, I mean, the last time I checked it, it was worth nothing. So that means that for as many as bought those shares then, they, there's no value to it. All they do have is just a certificate. Riches. And this is what every single day we run after. It says, but, okay, I'll just read that again. For as for the rich in this world, charge them not to be proud and arrogant and contemptuous of others, nor to set their hopes on uncertain riches, but, but on God, who richly and ceaselessly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now, I say this to say, God does not, is not saying we shouldn't have things. So don't get me wrong, because the Bible tells us those who do not work should not eat. Is that not so? So God wants us to eat. He wants us to have a house. He wants us to have clothes. He wants us to have nice things. However, what God is saying to us is don't let those things become a God unto you. Don't let them take over your life. And everything that we have, let us know that it is God that has given it to us. And the same way, <laughs> the same way that he has given it unto us, if God knows that that is going to hinder us from getting to heaven, <clears throat> it will disappear. And it's out of love. But when it happens, a lot of times we think it's the devil. Because we say, oh, God, God does not give good gifts and add sorrow. But God is after our soul. 
He wants the best for each and every one of us. You know, I remember years ago, years ago, when we still used to go to Zoe. <laughs> now, um, Yonggi Cho, you probably remember him, right? Dr. Yonggi Cho came and he was ministering and he was talking about the importance of us not allowing things, not allowing even people to take the place of God. And he said, you know, in Korea, South, I think it's from South Korea. Is it South? Yeah. He said they go to church 5 o'clock every day. And he said there was a day that he was just really, he was really tired. And he said, I'm not going to go to church this morning. After I've been going all this time. And nothing happened. And then after a while, I think something happened with his son. And he kept on saying, well, oh, I need to deal with this situation with my son. And I'm not going to go to church. And I think, I don't know for how long, he stopped going. And he said there was a night God said to him, if your son will be the hindrance, maybe I should take him so that you have time for me. My goodness, was that a wake-up call or what? So God loves us so much as to take away whatever it is that is hindering our relationship with him. I pray for us this morning that nothing and no one would take the place of God in our lives. Nothing. Hallelujah. You see, we're living out the purpose. That purpose. What is the purpose? What is it to you? You know, Jesus would never ask us to do something that he has never done before. He's our example. He's our high priest. You know, um, you know, sometimes we say, oh, you know, I'm just going to do this and, I'll, and I'll, go, I'll get back to church. But how many of us know that the further we get away from God, the more difficult it is for us to go back? Whatever it is that we're doing, the minute we begin to take time out, the minute we begin to take time out. I was in Nigeria for quite a while. And... Initially, I could not go to church because, obviously, because I was, you know, there taking care of mom and I needed to help. But it got to a point that I started to feel it in my spirit that something was not sitting right. I was missing fellowship. I was missing the word. You know, there's only so much of the word that you can read for yourself. And that's why the Bible says that we should not forsake the gathering of the brethren. So I had to find a way that, okay, maybe it's the 7 o'clock service in the morning. I'll go before mommy wakes up, and that way I'll be able to get back. At least I would have had fellowship with others. I would have had the word in me, and then be able to carry on the rest of my day. Nothing taking the place of God in our lives. We can't run from God. And that's why the psalmist says it. He says, where can I go from your presence, O God? Nowhere. He says, if I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, there you are also. 
So there is nowhere that we can go from God's presence. And God has created us for what? For fellowship. Every single day for fellowship. You know, I, I always say God has a sense of humor. If God wants, wants my attention in the middle of the night and I say, oh, I want to sleep. What he'll do is he just nicely fill up my bladder for me. <laughs> and of course I have to get up. And then I get back to bed and my eyes are wide open. Now I'm, I, I'm sensible enough to know that, okay, this is God that wants me to, he wants me to pray. But you know the beauty of God, <laughs> and I remember this even from Zoe days, is that we would go to Zoe, right? It's a fellowship that we have in the evenings, and we might not get home until about 2 a.m., even sometimes 3 a.m. with young children, and we still have to get up at 5.30 or 6 o'clock and get ready for work. And we'll go through work and we will not be tired. It, it, it can only be God. And that happens to me sometimes now. I was saying this morning, I was up by 3 o'clock. I couldn't sleep and I started praying. Meditating. I think I might have maybe fallen asleep about 6 o'clock, but you know, you know those 6 o'clock, you know that you have to wake up very soon. And, you know, we, we wouldn't get it every day. We, there are days that we will miss it. But let us be conscious that we have been created by God. For, we are his workmanship, created in God unto good works. It's in him we live and move and have our being. So everything that we do, let's be conscious that it is because God has put us on this earth for a purpose. You know, we're talking about the Great Commission. Why are we in England? Why am I not in Nigeria? Why am I not in Ghana? But wherever it is that we are, we have a mission. You know, some people don't want to go to the villages, okay? But maybe that's where their calling is. Maybe that's where they would live out their own purpose. So what is it? What does it look like to you as an individual? You know, we pray about these things, but it's important that everyone knows and walks on their own lane. I can't decide that, oh, which I tried before. Living out my purpose is, in, is being in praise and worship. We all have to find what it is God has called us to do. And stick with it. Is it always going to be easy? No. But it's going to be worth it. There's a song about that, isn't it? It is to give thanks. It's not always easy, but it is worth it. For each one of us, at the close of day, we want to be able to say that I have run my race. I have done that which you have called me to do. And be at peace with it. 
Let's take a look at Luke. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 2. Hallelujah. You see, in Jesus' ministry, while he was here on earth, you know, every person he spoke to, every person he touched, or those who even touched him, because we know about the woman with the issue of blood. Every time he prayed, every commandment he gave, everything was aligned with his purpose on earth. Every single thing that he did was aligned with his purpose. He said, I have come to do the will of my father who has sent me. And that should be our confession as well. I have come to do the will of my father. And I remember him saying, I, I, I wouldn't do anything, paraphrasing it. I would not do anything that my father has not sent me to do. So that means that every single thing that he did was because that is what his heavenly father instructed or commanded him to do. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 2 verse 41. I'm reading from the Amplified. It says, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year to the Passover feast. And when he was 12 years old. 12 years. I want us to take note of that. He said they went up as was their custom. And when the feast was ended... As they were returning, the boy Jesus remained behind in Jerusalem. Now his parents did not know this. But supposing he was, supposing him to be in the caravan, which was with the others, they traveled a day's journey. And then they sought him, looking up and down for him amongst the brethren. And when they failed to find him, they went back to Jerusalem, looking for him up and down all the way. Verse 46 says, after three days, they found him in the temple. What was he doing? Sitting amongst the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Amen. Amen. At the age of 12, he already knew that there was an anointing upon his life. He already knew that there was a mission. He already knew that there was something that God had called him to do. He was already about his father's business. It says, and 47, it says, and all who heard him were what? Astonished and overwhelmed with bewildered wonder at what? His intelligence and understanding and his replies. So if he was replying, that means that they were also asking him questions. Is that not so? So he was asking questions because he wanted to understand more. But he was also answering questions. Otherwise, he wouldn't say they were bewildered about his replies. So that means that he already knew what God wanted him to do. He, was, he had stepped into that role already. And I say this to say, you know, hey, 
if his parents had not been taking him up, taking him to the, 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 um, to, to the Passover feast every year, he wouldn't have learned. So there is no age that is too young. I know that with the Jewish tradition, when they're 12, I'm not sure if it's the guys that are 12 and the girls are 13 or the other way around. They have a ceremony for them. So that means that everything that the parents have put into them in terms of teaching right up to that age, it's almost like a graduation service for them. So I say this to encourage us, our children, our grandchildren. You know, was it yesterday I was meditating and I was saying, Lord, I was reminding God. I was reminding God. I said there was a day. I can't remember how old Jimmy was. And Jimmy stood here. And he recited the whole of the New Testament. He was very young. And I was saying, God, you're going to do this again. Every child of ours. Every child of ours that has been dedicated unto the Lord would come back to the house of faith. Not only will they come back, they will come back strong. They will fulfill purpose. They will fulfill destiny in the mighty name of God. None of our children will be lost to the system of this world. None of them. We didn't dedicate our children to the enemy. So the enemy cannot take our children. Every single one of them, in the mighty name of Jesus, will come back. They will stand. Hallelujah. And the Bible says in 48, it says, And when they, the parents of Jesus, saw him, it says they were amazed. And his mother said to him, child, we have, why have you treated us like this? Here, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And listen to his response. He says, and he said to them, how is it that you had to look for me? Did you not see and know that it is necessary for me? As a duty. It is necessary for me as a duty. For me to be in my father's house and occupied about my father's business. Hallelujah. How many of us are in our father's house? How many of us are occupied? It's one thing to be in our father's house. It's another thing to be occupied. How occupied are we? Are we doing the things that God has called us to do? Because I believe every one of us wants to live out our purpose. Every single one of us. So how do we do that? We do that by doing the things that God has called us to do. Living out our purpose. You know, one thing that struck me was he was, for three days, his parents were looking for him. But have you ever considered that in those three days, where did he sleep? How did he eat? 
change of clothes. As I was reading, this is a scripture that I've read time and time again. But as I was reading, I thought, that's true. Where did he sleep? A 12-year-old boy. You see, the Bible says that <laughs> he that provides food for the birds of the air and the ants of the ground. So that means that somebody must have taken him in, in that period. Somebody must have fed him. Somebody must have clothed him. But it also shows you something else. The unity that was amongst those in the temple. Obviously, we don't have so, they didn't have social media. They couldn't, you know, phone the police or do any of that. But the point I'm making is that he was taken care of. God knows we have need of all these things. But because he was going about his father's business, God was ensuring that he was also being taken care of. And that is my point this morning. That if we are going about our father's business, God will ensure that every need of ours is met. Every single one. Now the thing is, what you might call a need might not be, what, what you might think is a, um, how do I put it? What you might think is a need might not be, no, let me rephrase that. Well, <laughs> we, okay, we need to be able to identify the difference between a need and a want. That's where I'm going with this. Because there are times when we have a want and we think it's a need. You know, ask, um, <laughs> maybe Ezekiel, oh, I need it, I need it. But it's a want. So the Bible says that every need of ours, every need. I looked at the other, how did he sleep? And it says that his, even his parents could not comprehend, verse 50, what he was saying. So can you imagine a 12-year-old, it's almost like they're speaking in tongues then. His parents, they understood, but they could not comprehend because this was the wisdom of God at work. And in 52, the Bible says, and Jesus, what? He increased in wisdom. Amen. He increased in wisdom, in full understanding, and in stature and in years. And my prayer for each one of us, you know, I, <laughs> I was thinking about this and I was like, do you know that none of us can ever stop ourselves from growing? I'm not talking about this way, right? I'm talking about our age. Or is there anyone that has stopped themselves from growing? No. We cannot stop ourselves from growing that chronological age. So my prayer for us this morning is that as we cannot stop ourselves from growing, as we grow each and every day, that the wisdom of God will continue to increase in each and every one of us in the mighty name of Jesus. 
The Bible says Jesus increased in knowledge. He increased in understanding. He increased in wisdom. And we've been talking about wisdom for as long as, I don't know how long now. We've been talking about wisdom. We've been talking about corrupted wisdom. But our prayer is that we grow in godly wisdom each and every day. That at every standpoint, God would tell us. He would, he, he would show us how to deal with things. The wisdom of God. Not the wisdom of man. Not the corrupted wisdom. God's wisdom will continue to manifest, will continue to grow in each and every one of us in the mighty name of Jesus. You know, Jesus never chased after wealth or riches. Now, I don't know about you, but the one instance in the Bible that, I mean, okay, even though we know scripture tells us that, you know, he owned a, a cattle upon a thousand hills. The gold is his, the silver is his. But one, inc one incident that, you know, really touches me about how rich Jesus was, was when his cloth was being, there was a lot being cast because they could not divide his cloth because of how expensive it was. He didn't chase after riches. He didn't chase after wealth. He chased after hearts. He taught. He performed miracles. He restored. He prayed. He restored. He showed mercy. He showed favor. He focused on his father's business. He focused on the will of God. He focused on why he was on earth. He knew his time was short. But the point is, our time is short as well. Even if we live to 140, it's still short compared to eternity. So we cannot afford to waste time. <laughs> I remember a few years ago, when Papa turned 50, I don't know if you remember. He says, oh, I've got to that point now. You know, you go all the way, you get to that point, and then it's now that way. <laughs> but for each one of us, God has allotted us a number of days. And our prayer, my prayer is that we would all fulfill the number of our days. We cannot afford to waste it. Today is a gift. It's a gift. We cannot afford to misuse what God has given unto us. And that's why every single one of us, even when we're born again, God still leaves us here because he has an assignment for us. The Great Commission wants us to go to the ends of the earth. To reach out, to minister, to draw men and women unto him. So that those who have not heard about the gospel through us would hear about the gospel. You know, we thank God for social media. Because where we cannot physically go, 
through YouTube, through Facebook, through Twitter, Instagram. Let us use these tools that God has given unto us to the glory of God. I've got an uncle who's turning, what, 97 in July. The man is still on Instagram. But you know, one thing is, he keeps, even at this age, he's been a Christian for as long as, I mean, in the 60s, before I was born, the man has been a Christian. But when I still sit with him, he'll pray prayers like, Lord, let me not miss it. I'm like, hey, Lord, let me not miss it. And if you remember Apostle Paul saying, I am one of the least of the... I'm like, what? You wrote almost what? Three quarters of the New Testament. May the Lord have mercy on us. No, we have work to do. We, including me. Me especially. Can speak for myself. You know, when I'm speaking to people sometimes, I say to them, every single day, it's almost like I come to the realization of how much I do not know. And I don't know if anyone feels that way, but that is me personally. So I know that there's no way I can ever say I've arrived. I haven't even started. And that just makes me more conscious of where I am every day. That Lord, I need more of you. Lord, I need your mercy. You know, the Bible is full of instructions on how we fulfill purpose. Actually, from the, from the minute you open the Bible at Genesis, right down to Revelations, the Bible is full of instructions. It's full of encouragement. And over the next few weeks, we're going to go through some of this. Because for me, I don't know about you, I am one that like, I like instructions. But tell me how. Tell me how to do it. Show me. I like it to be precise. Let me know what the yard mark, yardsticks are. How do I know I'm progressing? If God was to come today, what would my mark be? I don't know. But I need to know. I need to know. And I pray that we'll all be sensitive to the Spirit of God. You know, and that's why, you know, this week, a man of God went to be with the Lord, Charles Stanley. And, you know, I read and I said, Lord, we thank you for the years that you have given him to us. He has impacted the world. 
And one beautiful thing I loved about that man is that, you know, even at that age, even when he could not stand, he would sit and he would still minister the word of God with simplicity, with accuracy. Oh, if you pick up the Bible that he, he wrote, well, I don't know, about, I, there's a Charles Stanley. If you pick up the Bible and you read it and you read the commentary, the teaching, You know, we cannot, we cannot talk about Christendom now and not talk about Charles Stanley. John, what are you doing? But the system of the world has taken over so much of our time. You know, you go to work at what? Eight o'clock in the morning. Sometimes at seven, eight o'clock at night, we're still, we're still logged on. There are times that I log off and then come on to prayer meeting and then I log back on. There are some on, on Saturdays, I sit there and Nikki's like, mom, what are you doing? Oh, let me just quickly check one email. Before you know it, half an hour is gone. May the Lord have mercy on us. May the Lord help us. I don't know how God's going to do it, but I know he's going to do it. That the world system does not steal the time that we need to spend doing the things of God. It hurts me. Because I know that we can be doing a lot more. And it's not just about, it's not about works. It's about our relationship. It's about studying. So that we're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. It's only what we know that we can teach. It's only what we know that we can, we, that we can use to minister to others. So the enemy is, is on a rampage. He wants to keep us away from the word of God. He wants to blindfold us. But I know that the Lord God Almighty would help us. You know, one prayer I pray is that, Lord, help me that, you know, I don't have to do a nine to five. But it's not even a nine to five anymore. It's, it's almost, it's an eight to eight. You know, this whole working from home. The enemy also had his plan. And that's why we need to be intentional. And I say, Lord, help me. You see, the thing is, if we have enough to live on, and we're not being taxed, and prices are not going up, and we have enough to retire on early, then we have enough time to spend doing the things of God. But we have to be also intentional about it. You know, thank God for those that have had the opportunity to retire early. I remember that my mom celebrated her 60th birthday here, right here in Living Word Ministries. 
And as soon as she finished, after her celebration, her birthday, she got a letter of retirement from work. And my mom was upset. She said, oh, what do I do with my time now? Because for all those years, it has been work, work, work. But thank God for godly counsel. People said, listen, your life is not over. Your life is just beginning. And over the next 20 years, the amount of stuff she did in church. She mentored widows. She was in, in the finance group, a missionary volunteer. You know, there were all sorts of groups. But if they'd moved to the retirement age like they've done here to age 65 or 70, would she have that time? No. So I want us to pray. When we're praying for the government, you know, when, when Dickness is saying, let's pray for those in authority, we should be praying that they do not steal the time that God has given to us. Because the more they're moving that retirement age and things are getting more expensive, people cannot afford to retire on time. And the later it is, the less time we're able to focus and, you know, just soak ourselves in, in, into the things of God. And that's why, Lord, I'm praying. Help me that I can, re it, you know, I, I, I am not, I'm not wanting to be, you know, rich in such a way that, you know, oh, you know I, I have no time for God. But let me have enough to live on and enough to be able to help others. But enough to be able to also spend time and do the things that you've called me to do. I have dreams. I have desires. There are so many places that people are and they've not heard the word of God. So many places. But there are even things that we can do here and now. Fulfilling our purpose. Living out our purpose. May the Lord give us grace. To live out our purpose. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you. I want us to go before God and say, Father, we've, I've heard your word today. If there's any way that you know that I am not living out my purpose, I ask for your grace. I ask for your mercy. I ask you to help me. Show me what it means to live out my purpose. Show me how it looks practically, Lord. Send help. Send me help. Send me, show me, the, you know, open the words of your scriptures to me that I might have understanding. Let the Holy Spirit reveal to me the things that I need to be doing. Jesus says, I am in the temple of God. I am, going, I am on duty. I am going about my father's business. As is expected of me, paraphrased. Lord, help me to have that mindset. Help me to be able to say each and every day, I am doing the things that you have called me to do. 
So that at the close of day, I can say I've finished my race. I've run my course. Father, we say thank you. We ask, Father, for your help. We ask for your mercy. We ask for your grace, oh God. That the things that we do not know, that Lord, you would unveil unto us. Open our hearts. Open our hearts, oh God. That, Father, each one of us will be able to live out our purpose. Let us not miss it, oh God. Father, I pray that, Lord, I do not come to the end of my days and have nothing to show for it. I pray, Father God, that the time I spend on earth, oh God, will be meaningful. Not only to me, but to the kingdom of God. That, Father God, each one of us, Father God, we will grow in wisdom. We will grow in knowledge. We will grow in understanding in the mighty name of Jesus. That, Father, the Holy Spirit on, in, on the inside of us would awaken us at every standpoint in our lives, oh God. Oh, Father, we thank you. We pray, oh God, that your words, oh God, Father, will make meaning to us. Much more than I have said, Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit will bring expression, will bring explanation to each and every heart in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We glorify your name. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. If you were blessed by today's message, why not share it with a loved one? And as always, stay connected by visiting our website at www.lwmi.org.uk. We hope you were blessed.